So apparently the Chiefs are still the Kansas City Chiefs. Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight alongside me, of course. Amber Wilson, let's bring in some help with all things Kansas City. Tim Grunhard, former Chief Center, author of The View from the Center, kind enough to give us some time. And Tim, thanks so much for your time. You tweeted out on Sunday the Ravens might be the dumbest team I've seen in a while. Nice team, John. John, what were uh, what were some of the mistakes that you thought made the Ravens so dumb in this one? Yeah, you know, I just thought that some of the uh, uh, moves that they made on the field, as far as you know, some of the uh, penalties, some of the late hits, and you know, taunting, and you know, really put the Chiefs back into the game. I, I, I thought that there were certain times in that game when the Ravens had an opportunity to make their move, their opportunity, maybe get some separation, their opportunity to, you know, maybe, you know, you know, put some pressure on the chiefs. And for one reason or another, it seemed like every time that situation presented itself, they had a dumb penalty. And that's simply what it was. It was dumb. I mean, you just can't do those things. And, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, I know John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches out there. Very, very smart. Uh, you know, uh, is, his coaching tree and, and, and the people that have coached under him uh, are awesome coaches, but, you know, they made some poor mistakes in some key situations. You just can't do that and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Tim, what's the moment that you were the most worried that there was no way Kansas City was going to end up back here? Well, I, I think that during the middle of the season, when we had all the drops and all the penalties, and, uh, you know, uh, there were times when Travis Kelsey, you know, was on the sideline, you know, not in a good mood, throwing his helmet around, and Patrick Mahomes fighting with officials and 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 doing some of those those things that just looked like maybe they were flinching a little bit. And that's not like the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's not like an Andy Reid team. But I thought Andy did a wonderful job of really reining the guys back in. Hey, listen, this wide receiver crew did not play very good during the regular season, and they showed up in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes uncharacteristically threw some interceptions during the regular season. I think he had the most interceptions he's had in his career, but he's been able to rein that in in the playoffs. And the defense, uh, they, you know, at, at times were, were, were giving up points, at times were struggling, and uh, they have just locked down people, especially in the second half. So, yeah, I mean, really, I think if, you, if you're a Kansas City Chief fan and somebody who followed the Kansas City Chiefs all year round, you know, this is a head-scratcher because this team, out of all the teams that have gone to the Super Bowls, is a team you're like, well, you know, they're a good football team. And anytime you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, you know, you got to, you have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. But, man, oh, man, they, they, they made a lot of mistakes, including having an offensive tackles, lead the league in penalties. So, I mean, just little things like that. But Andy Reid kept these guys going, kept them believing. And look where they're at. They're back in the Super Bowl. They are back in the Super Bowl once again. Tim Grunhard, former Chiefs center, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian. In both of these conference championships, Tim, it's the experienced team that won this thing. And particularly in this game with the Chiefs and the Ravens, it felt like it was experience that ended up winning to me, not necessarily the better team. Because a lot of people would have pointed at Baltimore and said they were the better team all season. Do you feel like that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that Baltimore was a better team going into the game. And, you know, not always uh, do we see the better team win. You know, if you look at it, uh, Lamar Jackson dropped back and threw the ball about 82% of the time. And this was a team that was leading the league in rushing. 
and Munkin and 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 Harbaugh decided, hey, we're going to put the ball in in the air and set it on the ground. I, I didn't understand that at all. Uh, that was one thing we were worried about as a Kansas City Chief fan base and people that watch the games and know the games. That the Chiefs have struggled against the run. Uh, you know, they struggled against the run against Buffalo. And for one reason or another, they didn't run the ball fit, uh, effectively against the Chiefs. Now, granted, Spags did an unbelievable job. Coach Spagnola did an unbelievable job of really taking away that run game and, and, and giving Lamar uh, some different looks that maybe he just didn't feel comfortable running the ball in. But I, I didn't get it. I, I really don't. And, and really, uh, there were some questionable things that both of the losing teams did yesterday. And listen, I love Coach Campbell. I think he's a tough, hard-nosed guy, and I love him. But some of the decisions he made on fourth downs and some of the stuff that he did is a head-scratcher. And then you look at the Baltimore Ravens, and some of the stuff that they did was a head-scratcher too. And I think it goes to your point, and it goes to your question, that I think sometimes uh, when you're in a, a championship game and you haven't been in it in a while, or maybe you've never been in it, you try to do things, and they, we used to call it overcoaching, OC, overcoaching, where – you're, you're, you know, you're trying to do things that are against the norm, against the things that you did all year to get you there. Now, granted, Coach Campbell did what he did in that game that he did all year, and it got him there, but it came back to bite him uh, in the NFC Championship game. But I thought the Baltimore coaching staff at times, you know, they, they had an unbelievable running back, and, and, you know, Lamar Jackson plays well when they're running the ball efficiently and effectively, and when they're not, and you put it just in his hands, you know, at times I think he makes mistakes. And that's what happened yesterday. Does it ever get old going to the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, you know, I played 11 years and never went to one. <laughs> so uh, I enjoy watching these guys go. You know, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, well, are you, you know, a little bit jealous? I mean, come on, you got to be a little bit jealous that, you know, you, these guys have gone to, you know, uh, four Super Bowls now and, and, and uh, have, uh, have, have been in the big game many, many times, and you never were in it. I'm like, you know, it's not really that way. It's kind of like watching your little brother, you know, go out there and play and, and have success, and, and you're rooting for him, and, and you, feel, you feel proud of, of the way that they're playing, the things that they're doing. So, yeah, um, it never gets old, and I'll ask, answer that question. It never gets old, although I can imagine out there in ESPN land that there's a lot of Chiefs fatigue I oh. get it. I understand oh, Tim. it. Tim, it gets old, buddy. It gets really old. Uh, but it gets old for those of us who didn't actually get to play for the Kansas City Chiefs like Tim Grunhard <laughs> did from 1990 until 2000. Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Grunhard joining us here on Amber and Ian. So, yes, it does get old from the outside looking in, but it never gets less impressive. Do you think that this was the most impressive run so far during the Patrick Mahomes era? Because everybody, of course, did count them out this season. Yeah, absolutely. It, by far. I mean, that wide receiver room was pretty average, if not poor. Uh, the offensive line at times struggled. Uh, the, you know, the defense was up and down. You know, Patrick Mahomes threw a bunch of, like we talked about, a bunch of picks during the season and at times didn't play very well. But, you know, and, and they were the underdogs, really, in the last three games that they played. And, you know, for, for and, and they'll probably be an underdog in, in the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think this is the uh, most impressive run because I don't think this team was clicking on all cylinders all year round, but uh, all, all season long. But I think going into the playoffs and where, where they're at right now, they're starting to peak. And if you're going to peak at the right time like they are, 
then you have an opportunity to do the things they're doing. And, and it's going to be a great Super Bowl. The 49ers and the Chiefs, uh, both uh, very good coaches. Uh, I, I like Patrick Mahomes over Brock Purdy just because he's got the experience. But I'll tell you what, Brock Purdy, he's a, he's a tough kid. And you know, I watched him play at Iowa State back in the day and, and uh, love the way that he competes. But, uh, boy, it's going to be one of those Super Bowls where one probably going to come down who has the ball last. And whoever has the ball last, a lot of times that's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and, and they give themselves an opportunity to win. Talk to me about this matchup in the trenches. That's sort of the part of the X's and O's that those of us that didn't play center in the National Football League often have a hard time assessing. How do you see this matchup in the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers? How do you see this thing in the trenches? Yeah, that's going to be a great battle, especially with the – I think the 49ers have an all-star front four. They may have the best front four in the NFL. And, uh, and, you know, so the the Chiefs are going to have to – find ways to not put Patrick Mahomes and the offense in a position where uh, they have to be predictable. And, uh, you know, they, they've got to be able to convert uh, big plays on first and second down. Don't put yourself down in third down in long situations. Um, I think on the other side, you, you look at the defensive line, Chris Jones and, and, uh, and, and the rest of the defensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs against the 49ers offensive line. You know, it's going to be a battle. You know, it's a team that plays more physical, the team that can tackle, the team that is more gap responsible, the team that doesn't uh, give up a lot of the big plays. I know these all sound like cliches, but they're just so important when it comes to big games like this. Because I've talked to guys, and once again, like I said, I've never played in a Super Bowl, played in an AFC championship, played in a national championship, but never played in a Super Bowl. And I can tell you this, these games go by really fast. The next thing you know as a player, you're in the middle of the third quarter and you look up and you only have a little bit of time left. And, uh, you know, it's like, wow, this thing is flying by. So you got to take advantage of every opportunity you have the ball. And up front, you got to keep Patrick Mahomes clean. And against that front four, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, that is going to be the story. I think you guys hit it right on the head. The story of this Super Bowl is going to be like it always should be. It's going to be a battle of the quarterbacks. But more importantly than that, I think it's going to be the guys up front. Who's going to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? And whoever does that, I think, has a great opportunity to win. Finally here, Tim, where do you rank Patrick Mahomes right now amongst the greatest quarterbacks that you've ever witnessed or that the game has ever seen? Yeah, so I I love Joe Montana. I was able to play with Joe um, with the Kansas City Chiefs for a couple of years. And then, you know, Tom Brady, he's been – Gosh, he's the GOAT. I mean, he's won more than anybody else has. So I, I think he's in the conversation with those with those two. Uh, he's right up there. I don't think he's the best yet. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be pushing for the best of all time. But I, I think he's in the top four or five of all time at that position. And so I, you can't put him above Tom Brady and, and, and Joe Montana, uh, you know, all the MVPs he had in the Super Bowls and – in the regular season. So I I would put it about three right now, but the arrow is certainly pointing up for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Still a hell of a conversation to be part of at just 28 years old for Patrick Mahomes. Tim Grunhard, former chief center. Also check out his book, the view from the center. Thanks so much, Tim. Anytime guys. Uh, I understand it's, it's not easy to always watch those Kansas City Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, but yeah, yeah, it's get, been get a this long good, time. Amber, get you know, this guy out of here. We're all jealous. <laughs> Fine, enjoy your Super Bowl, Tim. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, enjoy your dynasty. Goodness, <laughs> you got you, you to take that. You got to take that. Inoculate yourself from that cheap fatigue. 
a little bit. Uh, so uh, <laughs> have a good one. Uh, fatigue is right. Uh, oh, goodness. Uh, it is It is quite the dynasty it has become. Kansas City headed back to another Super Bowl. I saw a Patriots fan I know tweet out today, now I know why everyone hated the Patriots. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is how it feels when a team is dominant for so long. Four Super Bowls in five years. Incredible run so far for Patrick Mahomes. Coming up next, we're going to continue our incredible run here on Amber and Ian with Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian tonight. What in the world is going on between those Kansas City Chiefs and Kadarius Tony? That is next on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Well, everyone is dealing with the Chiefs. Now that will be the job of the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. Amber Wilson no Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Aaron Goldhammer in the saddle for Ian tonight. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Aaron, you are a married man. Yes. So happily, tell me. If in ha- case she's right. upstairs okay. listening, happily. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't assume otherwise, but thanks for clarifying. Uh, so in your marriage, do you complain to your wife about her affinity for Starbucks? Is that something that exists in your marriage or or your affinity? Like, do you argue over funds spent on coffee? Yeah. So Allie recently got one of these big dumb cups. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? These, mm-hmm. uh, what do they call? I think they Stanley? call them. Yeah. So how can they do that? Isn't the Stanley Cup like trademarked by the NHL? So no. well, it is well, but the Stanley, the company Stanley, from what I understand, and this is getting way too in the weeds about cups. It's been around for like a very long time. So can, I, it's, can I, I think ask? that there's no consumer confusion there. This is really IP law that I don't want to get into. That's really super nerdy. But anyways, go go ahead. As as a lawyer, Amber could do about four <laughs> segments talking about the intellectual property of the Stanley Cup. So <laughs> she is not a Starbucks person because now she has this Stanley Cup thing, and she's trying to drink more water, and this thing goes everywhere she goes and it's just huge it's like she walks around with a bathtub full of something that she's always drinking out of a straw uh, but I she used to go to Starbucks more often uh, I'm fine with it occasionally but if it becomes a daily habit it does become obnoxiously expensive the sound you heard off the top by the way was courtesy of 1065 the wolf so a lot of marriages have this problem, I would imagine. Now, my husband and I keep all of our funds separate because, you know, divorce lawyers. We're very smart like that. It's very romantic over here, Aaron. So we don't even share a bank account. However, 
he knows what I spend money on. I know what he spends money on. So he still manages to complain, right, about my Starbucks affinity, which I understand because Starbucks is outrageously expensive and they overcharge you for silly things. So I have tried to cut back, uh, you know, at, at his behest there. So I recently discovered that Costco sells the egg bites that they sell at Starbucks. I don't know if this is a food item that you're familiar with, but I perpetually would go to Starbucks like daily and eat these egg bites. And they've got, they have different ones that have like bacon in them and mushrooms and kale and all kinds kinds of different stuff, but they're, you know, absurdly expensive. So I have purchased them and I have them at the house and I threw them in the air fryer on the last commercial break. And I was Uh, incredibly excited and felt like I was being very fiscal as well. Right. And I just bit into it and it's still frozen in the middle. And I miss my, you know, egg bites at Starbucks. Well, that's why they're really expensive at Starbucks because they know how to cook them at Starbucks. (laughs) They cook them properly. I put the stupid thing in the air fryer for like 10 minutes. Somehow it's still frozen in the middle. So anyways, that was my long way of getting to that story about is the that Discord on Starbucks, that it can though? exist that, that I can't Starbucks cook or is that on you the for not properly? The air fryer might be on me but again trying to do a commercial break but yeah it's probably on me why, uh, why that's probably air fryer? fair why air fryer Amber? oh my god the air fryer is like life a life-changing experience we just bought a bigger one our our, our lives are very reliant but in it's this just household. like an oven it's the same thing as an oven isn't it well, f- no first of all it crisps your food and it uses hot air so it's it's like healthy cooking but it is phenomenal so if you put in anything that should be crispy you know the, hence the fried terminology uh-huh. there uh-huh. it's so much better. And then also most air fryers have different function as well, where it can, you know, grill food or whatever. So it's not necessarily just frying food. Yeah. But this air, these air fryers, you just mm. put anything in there, Aaron, and it cooks everything rapidly. Normally everything, except, except for apparently except I, I just failed. So, so this is totally a Baltimore Ravens performance by you. You thought you were ready to go. You thought you had everything figured out and you were on your way to the Starbucks egg bite Super Bowl. Yeah, I was. But as it I turns was, out. I wasn't. As it turns out, I was not. Uh, my game plan fell apart here during this show, and I remain hungry now as we're going to talk about Kadarius Tony with the Kansas City Chiefs because that is a weird situation with the yeah. Chiefs, by the way. This Kadarius Tony situation where we got the word that he wouldn't be playing in the AFC Championship game against those Ravens because allegedly he was injured, and then Tony fired back on his Instagram live saying that the Chiefs lied about his in injury designation, he said, man, this is bleep. I'm not hurt. None of this bleep. Save that bleep. Oh, God, not hurt. None of that. It go from hip to ankle to this and that. Andy Reid, he is the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He addressed this situation with Kadarius Tony. I actually haven't seen it. I mean, I've heard people talk about it. But, um, yeah, he'll be back back out there, and we'll we'll see see how he does. He's been on the injury report. So, I mean, I, I got that, that part. As uh, that's not made up by any means, but he's been working through some things and he'll be back out there. <sighs> okay. Uh, wow. That didn't sound like I, I, that sounded like Andy Reid wants to avoid a fine because he's on the injury report. So he's also like, hey, we're right. not making st- stuff up over here <laughs> on I, the injury I, just, report. Just, just reading between the lines here, Amber. Didn't feel convincing. Could, uh, Kadarius Tony, first of all, you know, I mean, dude, line up on side, and the story of the Chiefs season is different. Okay, um, but that can't be. I mean, that can't. But be but, why. but also, he was having a horrendous year. Like their right. offense is magically a lot better now that he's not there anymore, and he'll always have a place in Chiefs history, Amber, because he played a great Super Bowl. 
uh, scored a touchdown, had a huge punt return. I mean, those are plays you're never going to erase from Kansas City Chief history. But this year he's been an abject disaster. And so whether you want to say it's a hip injury or he's got some personal situation going on or you want to just acknowledge what it is, which is that he's been benched, I don't think we're going to see Kadarius Toney in Super Bowl 58. I'd be stunned if he was on the field. Why would the Chiefs do that at this point? Uh, well, it seems like they're not planning to do that. Now, this is a player that, I mean, I, as a Gators fan, I watched very closely in college. I thought that dude was going to tear the league up. And he has often been disappointing in the league. And it feels like there might be too, more to it. And I don't know what he's like in the locker rooms. Uh, it has all felt a little strange, the Kadarius Tony experience at the NFL level. He was designated as injured and personal as well, as you mentioned. Right. Now, that was being reported that he had his first child, uh, a baby girl, right before the AFC Championship. So that was the whole personal designation of why he'd be missing time. But I think he obviously just, is denying all of it. Not that he's watching, father, but that's not what he's just watching <laughs> carefully. We all know what's really going on here with right. Darius Tony. There's yes, they don't. They seem to not like him. He's fallen out of favor. Plenty more here on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens fell to another disappointing postseason defeat. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight alongside me, Amber Wilson. So another disappointing finish to another season from Lamar Jackson, who had a spectacular regular season and is probably going to get another MVP from it. Let's bring in some help for the Baltimore Ravens conversation. Martenzi Johnson, Anscape writer, kind enough to join us. And right now, Martenzi on Anscape has an article titled, For Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, There Are No More Excuses. It is a heck of an article. I encourage you to go read it. So, Martenzi, thanks for your time. Why was this game in particular so important for Lamar? I think just because over the past couple of years, the three that he made the playoffs and then obviously the two where he didn't finish the season, his season didn't end the way that we wanted it to. That first year, well, I guess the second year, 2019, his first year as a full-time starter, he wins MVP. You have high hopes for him that are number one seed, have one of the best defenses, all that and above and you expect him to make it. But they're young, he's young, whatever. You give it to him for losing to the Titans. Then they lose again the next year to the Bills. But, you know, the Bills going to have that game with the uh, the Chiefs. So it's like, okay, it was the Bills' time. Yada, yada. He's 27 now. This is year six. Again, number one seed, likely to win the MVP. He's playing about as best as he's played as a quarterback his entire career. And so you have these high expectations for him. And then he kind of lays an egg again. Um, and I don't want to pick too much on Lamar for this, but the plays that he would make regularly in a regular season, they, they, they scored 50 points on the Dolphins, who scored 70 points on another team earlier in the year, right? We know what he's really capable of, but in the playoffs, much like Peyton Manning until he finally won one, he, it's just something about being in the playoffs where the throws that he makes, the decision that he makes, it, it's not representative of how he played the entire season. Martenzi, what do you think psychologically is different, or is it just a physical issue? 
No, I don't think it's physical, right? We've seen the passes that he can make. Like, that, that throw to Zay Flowers, he's capable of doing that on every single play. But I think it's just the nerves, right? So you get into the playoffs, unlike in the regular season where if you lose this week, well, at least it's week eight next week. Or if you lose this week, at least it's week 13 next week. In the playoffs, there's no next week if you mess up, right? And so there's a lot of pressure that's added to it. And I think he's talked about this before, about getting his nerves under control. And every quarterback has this issue, other than, like, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. But um, he, he has to overcome that, right? You can't get too nervous. You can't start forcing things, which I believe he did um, when he tried to throw it to Likely in triple coverage in the end zone, which he said in the press conference he was trying to get a pass interference call or hoping for that one at least. But trying to force those sorts of things where he didn't force them regularly uh, or in the regular season, I think it's just pressures up and whether you, you rise to it or you don't. And unfortunately, over these last five times he's been in the playoffs, he just hasn't been able to do that. Anscape writer Martenzie Johnson joining us here on Amber and Ian. Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian tonight. What did you think, Martenzie, about the game plan, particularly offensively from the Baltimore Ravens? There was a significant lack of emphasis on running the football. Yeah, thank you for actually asking me that, Amber, because I was just watching NFL Live earlier, and Dan Olaski was going over how many times the Chiefs had five defensive backs out there, six defensive backs maybe two linebackers, maybe even just one linebacker, three down linemen, four down, all the stop, the pass, I mean, all the stop, yeah, the pass game for Lamar Jackson, which would make you think they would run the ball. They were the number one rushing team in the league. They have Lamar Jackson, who, aside from playing quarterback, moonlights as a running back as well, can run for 800 yards. And they ran, I think, a total of 11 times and six or five times for the running backs themselves. And you have Gus Edwards and you have Justice Hill. You even have Dalvin Cook, who came in the last couple weeks of the season. Um, and they did not run the ball. I didn't understand that um, because the passing game was taken away. At one point, don't ask me, sitting next to me, how many passing yards does Lamar Jackson have with seven minutes left in the third quarter? It was 67 yards. Now, granted, he got to like 250 by the end of the game, but that's how bad the passing game was going, but they didn't run it. And I was confused by that, just as you probably were as well. Martenzi, um, why do you think, you know, Lamar has had sort of some narratives follow him throughout the course of his career. Do you think, for him that plays into the way he plays in the postseason sort of the Lamar haters we even heard some of this come up during his great regular season this year yeah so in the past he said both simultaneously he doesn't care what people think but also he wants to kill the narrative that he can't win the big game and I will push back on a little bit on that he can't win in the playoffs because he just did it last week right and that game is actually kind of indicative of how well he actually can play because he struggled in the first half against the Texans and then came out guns a-blazing after cussing out his teammate at halftime, and then they win the game. It just happened in this game. But, again, the, the stakes were a little bit higher because it's the AFC Championship and not the divisional round. But, yeah, I think he's quite aware of the quote-unquote narrative, but how much it impacts them, I don't know. Because he says he does not care, and I have to believe him, right? But, yeah, I'm not sure how much that plays a part of it. I just really think it's – you can't lose, and, you know, it's just Patrick Mahomes can rise to that occasion. Brock Purdy, of all people, uh, can rise to that occasion, but Lamar just hasn't been able to do that yet. But he's 27, right? Like, he has a lot of more years to figure this out, but he just hasn't found that thing yet that you need to, to not, you know, wilt kind of under this pressure. In fairness, Martenzi, nobody's able to rise to that occasion, it feels like, against Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Martenzi Johnson and Scape Ryder joining us. You know, another quarterback that we kill for not being able to do it, 
is Josh Allen, right? And I feel like that we actually end up piling more criticism on Josh Allen for not being able to get past Mahomes than Lamar Jackson. But both of those guys might just have been born at unfortunate times to exist around the time of Patrick Mahomes. So what is the solution here, do you think, for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens? You said that they're out of excuses in your great article on Anscape. How do they get over this hump? Like you said, hope, wish. Pray, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Like you said, it's unfortunate. Like, Patrick Rivers – or Patrick, oh, my God. Philip Rivers uh, is was kind of in the same predicament that Lamar is and that he existed the entire run of Tom Brady. So no matter how good he was, you go up against Tom Brady, like, you can't mess up. And that's what the Ravens did. Um, I don't think there's anything that and, – and, and Lamar said this, too, after the game. It wasn't a preparation thing, right? Like, they got to this point. They were 13-4, and four, number one seed, number, like one of the top offenses in the league. I don't think there's anything that necessarily went wrong for them throughout the entire season. It's just when you needed to score points, they didn't. And when you needed to not mess up, they did that a lot. And it wasn't just Lamar, obviously. Zay Flowers is getting a lot of attention for what he did. Tom Monk, um, the, the offensive coordinator, the game plan for him wasn't that great. And then the defense, who held up pretty well. Let me, don't get me wrong. Uh, holding Patrick Mahomes-led team at 17 points is one of the best accomplishments that you can actually have. But down the stretch for them, too, they were boneheaded penalties. So this seems more like a mental thing than a physical thing. And, like, everyone has to keep their stuff together at the right time. And unfortunately for them, on these last couple of runs for the Ravens, it's been one person or the other who just hasn't kept their stuff together. Martenzi Johnson joining us here, Anscape writer. Martenzi, you also tweeted out about what happened with the Lions on Sunday. You tweeted, Dan Campbell doesn't play for ties overtime, my kind of coach. Why were you a fan of how Dan Campbell approached Sunday's game against the Niners? Oh, now I feel bad for tweeting. I didn't know my tweets were going to get read. Uh, no, I don't, I don't like cowards. Uh, we, we, we like aggressive call playing. We like aggressive coaches. We like aggressive plays. Uh, and no matter the outcome, this is something Dan Campbell has done all year. It actually almost brought them back at the end of the game because they went for a fourth down um, in the red zone. So, again, the, the outcome makes you question the decision-making, but I've seen too many conservative play calls in my time in watching sports where if a guy's willing to go for it on fourth down, if a guy's willing to go for it for a two-point two point conversion rather than the kick, I'm going to be all for it all the time because I like chaos. I like coaches who do not care. And Dan Campbell started off his entire uh, stint with this team by saying he wants to bite kneecaps. If you're going to bite kneecaps, you can't kick field That's true. That's, That's true. I, I think that, that that makes a lot of sense. If you want to bite kneecaps, <laughs> you can't kick field goals. <laughs> it's like also that. hard to pick up Knee fourth downs without any kneecaps, though. So, I, you that's know, I don't true. know. That's a good this point. kneecapless football uh, and, we're again, trying to that's play. A, is... that's, a, that's, a, that's a results thing, Aaron. Like, they dropped one of the passes they dropped. Now, the second one, uh, uh, golf just missed, but like just dropping the pass, like I think it worked, it just didn't turn out the way that they wanted to. So, I like the aggressiveness. It's like if everyone's so conservative, it's always going to be ties, it's always going to be, uh, yeah, I don't want that. I want to define winner by the time the fourth quarter is over. I, don't, I hate overtime, especially when it's Sunday night football and I'm trying to go to school. Yeah, nobody can accuse Dan Campbell of not having the goal uh, to go for it. Martenzi Johnson and Scape Writer. Thanks, Martenzi. Thank you all. 
Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Aaron Goldhammer filling in for Ian. How much blame do we believe Lamar Jackson deserves for the Ravens' poor performance in the AFC Championship? We were just talking to Martenzi about it. Aaron and I will discuss. That is next right here on ESPN Radio. The sound of the Ravens losing, courtesy of WBAL, because it was a disappointing game for the Baltimore Ravens, who struggled offensively for an offense that we all thought easily was one of the very best in the NFL, Aaron. And and boy, did they just seem out of sorts. And they seemed out of sorts in large part because they just felt like they got away from from their game plan. And Lamar, once again, in a playoff situation, just didn't seem like Lamar. Right. I think they totally lost their identity. Um, What makes Lamar special, as much as he became a drop-back passer in Todd Munkin's offense this year, Amber, what makes him special is his legs. I mean... Let's get real. He he caught a pass and looked like the best wide receiver in the NFL when he threw the pass yesterday. So to not maximize his incredible athletic ability. And I do wonder with him, like we talked to Martenzi in the previous segment about 10 minutes ago about whether he's trying to silence the haters. I've learned now in my 40s, right? You can only focus on one thing. What does your guy Pat Riley always say, uh, Amber? You got to make the main thing the main, the main thing. thing. And I felt yesterday like the Ravens were trying to prove some kind of point in addition to winning the game. Like that Lamar had developed into this kind of quarterback and that Bill Polian was wrong on ESPN when he said <laughs> right. that he was a wide receiver. Wide receiver. That, you know, like that, that, that. They got caught up in this narrative as much as it's hard enough to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to try to do something to the haters and the doubters and the no, you just got to try to run the best plays you can and win the next play. Otherwise, you got no chance when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes. No chance. And no chance going up against that defense as well, because that Kansas City defense is legit. They did an excellent job shutting down the pass and taking it away as an option. And yet they didn't then go to the running game, which is where you would have expected the Ravens to go. And you would have expected the Ravens to go to Lamar's strength, which you're right, is still running the football, doing the things that we see that seem miraculous, using all that athleticism. Yes, he can throw the football well. We all know that. Nobody needs to have that conversation about Lamar Jackson anymore. It was an absurd conversation to begin with. But when the guy has 67 passing yards halfway through the third quarter, like it ain't working. You know, in this scenario against that defense, (laughs) it ain't working. So you got to find something else. And going back to your bread and butter of running the football, I don't know why that seemed difficult. And that's somewhat on Lamar's shoulders, but that's a lot on the coaching staff's shoulders as well. Now, this was Todd Munkin's first go around here. I think that we forget that too, right? I mean, we are, yes, we saw him at the highest levels in college, but it was coaching in college at Georgia, right? I mean, he hasn't been here in this situation with this Ravens team before. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens quarterback, he's going to get the criticism because we've seen him fail in the postseason now time and time again, frankly. Right. He was asked if he's angry after that loss. Here's Lamar. Well, I'm not frustrated at all. Um, I'm, I'm angry about, you know, losing. Uh, we're a game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, we've been waiting all this time, all these moments for an opportunity like this, and we fell short. Um, but, but I feel like our team, we're going we to build. You know, this offseason, we're going get, to get right, um, get better, grind, and try to be in this position again, but on the other side of victory. 
Amber, throughout sports history, in all the sports, there are guys who are great regular season players who don't show up in the playoffs, right? I mean, I'm watching a Clipper-Cavs game right now, and I'm watching James Harden, and I'm thinking to myself, yep, that's a guy Mm -hmm. that... Trust me, in Game 6 or Game 7, you do not, on a night in February, give me James Harden all day long. Uh, I was thinking about Clayton Kershaw and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw is going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great pitchers, really, of all time, if you dig into the numbers. He's just not the same guy when he goes into the playoffs. Lamar Jackson is one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks I have ever seen. His record is impeachable. When he's been healthy, his team does nothing but win. He's 58-19 and 19 as a starter with a quarterback rating of 98 in the regular season. His quarterback rating in the playoffs is 75, and he's 2-4. and four. He's half the player in the playoffs that he is in the regular season, and he just might be one of those guys, like the other two that I mentioned, that just, they don't have it when the lights are the brightest and the games are the biggest. The Ravens had a streak of 35 straight games with at least 100 rushing yards, including the playoffs. That has snapped that streak in the NFL. That was tied with the Panthers that did it in 2014 uh, for the fifth such longest streak in NFL history, including the playoffs. So the Ravens had the the streak, the active streak going on. That was snapped. They got away from their identity. They finished this season as the NFL's number one rushing team. They got away from their identity. Now, given no team has led the league in rushing yards and won the Super Bowl since the 1985 Bears did it. Okay, so yeah. I, I guess maybe that's why. I guess they were thinking, like, this ain't the way to win maybe. in 2024. But oh, but, oh, by the way, it's the way you got to an AFC championship game. It, they ran for five yards a carry, too. They had 16 carries for 81 yards in the game. So they were just more efficient running the ball than they were when they were throwing it. So I, I think... Everybody wants to find one person to blame in a situation. Amber, I thought Baltimore's defense wasn't good enough, especially at the beginning of the game, leaving Travis Kelsey wide open. Absolutely. I, I thought, And we all they, knew they, where they were going. I mean, we all knew they were going to go yes, to Travis Kelsey. Yes. Travis Kelsey has, has been a shell of himself this regular season. It's fair to say. It's okay to say. And yes, I get maybe Travis Kelsey's at a point in his career where he's doing like the thing that these NBA players that you and I watch all the time, Aaron, do. You know, like the Jimmy Butlers of the world. Where, like, is he just saving himself for the postseason at this point? Yeah. I don't know. Is that a thing in football? I don't know. But Travis Load Kelsey's management. a different, yeah, right. right? Load management in football. He's a different player though of course this postseason fine but also we all knew where he was going like we all know that he's Mahomes favorite target right and the Ravens who had a very good defense couldn't stop it 11 for 11 11 targets 11 catches crazy like you'd think after the first seven you'd be double covering him and making them go to somebody else Zay Flowers obviously deserves a bunch of blame for this. The other receivers weren't good enough. They tried to reincorporate Mark Andrews into the offense, which I'm not sure whether that was smart. The play calling was terrible, but ultimately, Lamar Jackson is the guy that signed the giant contract, Amber. He's the guy that's going to walk away with the MVP award in a couple of weeks on NFL Honors. So, to me, it makes sense that he's the guy that's going to have to step up and take the lion's share of the blame and the criticism here. And it sucks because I like him and I root for him and I believe in him. I don't think it's the style of quarterback that he plays. I think he's plenty quarterbacky. I just think that he's Especially not proven. To, yeah, I don't think he's proven to be a big game player, though. I think that's totally fair. When you look at the playoff numbers in the regular season, it's a big enough sample size now that you're putting him in the same conversation that you put James Harden in. And it, some of it is not 
obviously all on Lamar Jackson. But I do think it's fair, like you just said, when you are the guy that that gets paid and when you're the guy who's the face of the team and when you're the guy who's frankly one of the very big biggest faces of the league. I mean, he yep. is going to be the MVP this season. That's not Josh Allen. And we have all this noise around Josh Allen when he loses to Patrick Mahomes. We've yep. got to hold that same energy for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he, he should easily have the same level of expectations. Yeah, Amber, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to point out, too, like in some of these games toe-to-toe with Mahomes, Allen has played great. Excellent. You know, like, like the 13-seconds game, that's not on him. Right. He couldn't get a stop in 13 seconds. Even I would go defense. back. <laughs> even I would go back and say the way he ran the ball and threw the ball. I mean, the ball goes through Stefan Diggs' hands. I thought he put up a much better playoff performance than much Lamar better. Jackson did. So you might rather have Lamar in the regular season, but in a playoff game, I think you'd rather have Josh Allen. The list of quarterbacks now that you'd take over Lamar Jackson is I can – you know, I'm beyond one hand, I think, when I start counting them up. Yeah, it feels like with Lamar, he's proved his worth here, obviously, with the MVP and multiple MVPs, and he's still very young, and he got the contract. He deserves all of that, but he also deserves the criticism, right, at the back end when you only win the two games in the postseason, right? And And the numbers aren't great. Everything dips. The game plan doesn't look the same. Everything seems out of source. And it just feels like the moment's too big. And you should never feel like the moment's too big for yeah. an MVP. Coming up next year on Amber and Ian, the moment's not too big for us. Why did Doc Rivers decide to take over the Bucks? That's next here on ESPN Radio.